Are you ready? Mm. Are you ready? Mm. To, Dan- to Dante? Ah, Dante! You realize now that you have to come up with an <laughs> equally good uh, intro for our next person that we're covering, who we will mention at the end of today's episode. Okay. It's on you. That's fine. You that's, mean, that's, that's, that's the job. That's you've the knocked job. it out of the park. You with need me to come your... up with a meaningless catchphrase? I think that's one of the things <laughs> I'm best at in my life. So you've knocked it out of the park with, are you ready to Dante? <laughs> It's like he's gonna have to change how you say ready a little bit. Are you ready? (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) So, welcome to Behind the Hype. Uh, Week four, Joe Dante month. The end of Joe Dante month. And what better for an ending than a movie about zombies? About the end of life. Kind of. A love zombie. Love zombie. Love zombie. Um. That's the name of Woof. White Zombie's final album. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Oy, uh, I've really enjoyed Joe Dante Month. I think this has been a very fun month. It's been month. good. Yeah, it's been good. It's been it's been an entertaining thing. I got to watch a Brendan Fraser movie. You did. That's a great segue into where have they been doing. Yeah. We skipped it last week because uh, I, I talked to John before we started recording. He unfortunately didn't have time to watch The Howling. We might nope, I didn't. We might try to sneak it in at some point later. Yeah. Um, I wanted to so badly, just time got away from me. It happens. Uh, so Chewie and I watched two things, uh, and I figured we'll just I'll cover one, and she can cover the other one. Uh, this week's where they been doing. Uh, which one would you like to cover? Yawn. <clears throat> Someone's not ready to Dante. And <laughs> a yawn. Um, the Looney Tunes back in action. All right. I never thought I was going to watch that movie. And then I rented it. I'm like, hey, this is what we're watching. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, it turned out it's fun. It's I a fun movie. I loved it. Uh, it's surprising, isn't it? Yeah, I like Jenna Elfman. I love Brendan Fraser. I like uh, James Bond, Timothy Dalton. Playing James Bond, Timothy Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Martin's in it. Yeah. It's like, and. And the doctor's in it. And for some reason, he has one little line. I don't think he just says like a word. Yeah. Uh, Ron Perlman. You know, Ron Perlman's in it? It's just there. Why? Uh, <laughs> it's like he just wanted to hang out for a day with Jonte. Uh, Matthew Lillard is in it, yeah. apologizing to uh, to Shaggy from Scooby-Doo About for his, his portrayal. portrayal of Shaggy yeah. from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's amazing. <laughs> it's like a very good, like a for meta movies. Like I was like, this one's satisfying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it even had like that moment with Jenna Elfman where she's talking to the, uh, the two guys, again, more Dante people. Um, it was the two guys who were dancing with Gizmo in Gremlins 2. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They, they played the quote-unquote Warner, Warner Brothers. Brothers. Yeah. Like, they are the <laughs> Warner Brothers. And she's talking to them. She's like, no, I can do this. My movies have pulled in uh, $900 million. They both just look at her. That's not a billion. <laughs> oh! Fired our best duck. <laughs> Ooh, that, that's, that's too real. Hey, it's like they were making jokes about Sony before Sony started doing it. Yeah. No. Um. No, that was an enjoyable movie. I highly recommend it. It just don't think about how much pain Brendan Fraser was probably in, as we found out post Me Too and stuff about how Brendan Fraser wrecked his body. Oh yeah, but they did have a good like meta joke about it though. About him wrecking his body. Well, no, yeah, kind of, because he says that he the guy Brendan Fraser is playing, uh, 
is Brendan Fraser's stunt double in yeah. all the Mummy movies. Yeah, and then he <laughs> so, goes and then he punches himself. Yeah, he punches Brendan Fraser at the end of the movie for not being respectful for all of the damage he did to himself being in all the Mummy movies. I'm yeah. Like, so it's kind of in there. They do address it in a way. Yeah. I thought it was a great movie. It's Just, very I, fun. I love the hell out of it. It's, it's weird. Like, I don't know what I expected when I when it came out. The, mainly I was thinking, oh, they're going to capitalize off a of Space Jam or something. And there's, but there was years between them. Yeah, like they were trying to bring that, like a, a Looney Tunes movie back. And it's like, oh, what are they trying to do here? But after watching this month of Dante and then realizing that's what it was, it contextualized the entire movie. I need to watch it again. Yeah, it's, what it's, it's, it's like, so strange because it's like a combination of it's like, all right, let's do the let's do Looney Tunes, make it kind of like the Muppets, but also lean more into Roger Rabbit. Yeah, and it just kind of like especially knowing what we know about Joe Dante now and how much he just loves the Looney Tunes, it's yeah. like, well, of course he's the guy to make this. Like, yeah. That just made sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, it should have clicked. It's too bad yeah. it didn't make more money. No, it's really a shame. Because, I mean, like we talked about last week where these more messagey movies had like kind of toned down the chaotic. That movie is almost pure chaos, the Looney Tunes movie. Speaking of chaos, uh, I watched... Uh, oh, again, Chewie watched this with me. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a Good Life, which is a segment out of the Twilight Zone movie that uh, both like George Miller, Steven Spielberg, they all directed segments of, uh, and then Joe Dante did a segment of it. And it's uh, if you don't if you're not familiar with the Twilight Zone movie, it's basically a movie that remakes some of the episodes and folds it into one movie. Um, so this was part of one of the episodes from forever ago, um, and it's just updated to now and made very Joe Dante. Like they really just let him do whatever he want with it, and it it's a uh, it's kind of creepy. It's kind of fun. But then about three quarters of the way in, it just goes bananas. And that's where it is just awesome. It has these huge animatronic like um, creatures that kind of feel like his things from the Explorers. Um, maybe a little bit Gremlins-esque because it's kind of scary, kind of big. But it's just also very Looney Tunes. Huh. Like, it's these things that just kind of pop out of a hat and scare people. And it's just like, it's just so much fun. And it just... it. The first half of it's like, and I guess Joe Dante was just filling in and doing his thing. And then when it starts going a little bit nuts, I'm like, oh. And then the score starts sounding more like the score that he always has in his movies, which always had this like sort of innocent feel to it. It goes that route. The set feels very much like a set, kind of how we mentioned last week with um, Matinee, how everything felt like a set. This felt the same way. It felt way more Joe Dante. And like, if you get a chance to look it up, uh, I think it's on uh, Amazon Prime if you have like the Stars membership or if you have okay. Stars, you can watch it. And they're constantly uh, giving you a free like what is it week or month of they that? They give you a week. I think every year they give you a week. Yeah, because I've done it before and I just redid it again for watching the movie we're watching today because I wanted to. I didn't want to pay to rent it, uh, <laughs> so I just did my free week trial. And then it just so happened to have Twilight Zone on there as well. So I'm like, all right, well then I'll watch that out. one too. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I, I think it was great. I think I liked the the. Oh, and of course I should mention. Dick Miller did appear in it. Of course. Uh, he's the guy who gave the woman directions at the beginning of the movie because, of course, Dick Miller has to show up at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so if you get a chance to watch it, I think I like the other Dick Miller one, the one from Amazon Women on the Moon, a little bit more because that one was just so, like, conceptual and weird of language barrier with your uh, marionette was – or ventriloquist dummy was just very funny. Uh, this one's not quite as funny but still very Joe Dante and definitely worth a look uh, if you haven't already seen that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So burying the ex, huh? I mean, don't we all Ooh. want to bury them at some point? I mean, everyone dies at some point, yeah. unless you don't. Uh, burying the Just ex. Just don't make any promises. 
Which is hard during like wedding vows. <coughs> these weren't even wedding vows. No. These were just hanging out in a shop near a devil doll. That he got for some reason. That he got for some reason. Yeah. So who wants to do a quick breakdown of this one? I went last week. I went the week before that. You don't see it, folks, but they're looking at me <laughs> <laughs> to do the breakdown. Hmm? <laughs> what? John? I just, can, just, I can, just I, a quick summary. Yeah, so uh, Anton Yelkin's character lives with a, a very controlling girlfriend, and he's dealing with having no spine whatsoever. And he attempts to get her to the park to break up with her, and then a bus hits her. But before that, they made some sort of like, we'll be together forever in front of a devil statue in a, a horror trinket store. And turns out that brought her back to life. So she comes out of the grave and tries to live with him forever and make him like her. And along that... Really tries to bang him. Who does she try? Tries to bang him constantly. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's sort of... like He started dating again. He's trying to date this other woman that he met at the uh, ice cream shop where... Like, just before the girlfriend dies. And, yeah, it all comes to a head and he gets... <laughs> He doesn't actually get the chance to kill her. His zombified friend kills her. And then he and the girlfriend... Half-brother. Half-brother. Same sack, man. Yeah. Same sack. <laughs> Same sack. <laughs> so, throughout this, he doesn't actually even kill the ex-girlfriend. They bury her, and then he goes and lives happily ever after, for now, with the with his new girlfriend. Oh, fiance now. Oh, fiance. He, he proposes at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's pretty much everything. Uh, I feel like I should just get this out and on the table as soon as we can. I enjoyed this movie, but out of the four or I guess six Dante movies <coughs> that we watched throughout the course of this month, this would probably be my least favorite. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of want to get into that to begin with before we start talking about the things I like in it. Because I think uh, I love love Anton Yelchin. He's one of my favorite people ever to be on a screen. And I'm still bummed every day I think that he's not acting uh, anymore. Uh, for obvious reasons. I think Ashley Green can be great. I don't think she's bad in this movie at all. I don't think it's her best role, but I think she's good. Uh, and I really like Alexander Daddario, and I think she actually does a really good job in this. But we'll get into that later, because at first I want to talk about why didn't this one work for Joe Dante? And I think Chewie had more theories on it than, than I do, so I wanted to let her go first. It just doesn't feel like a Joe Dante script. like. Well, he didn't write it. so I know he didn't that, write though. it. Uh, the whole thing felt very reserved. Very, like, pulled back. Like, he had a lot of notes of, like, we need this to be more friendly. We need it to be less absurd. We need it to be approachable. And one of the biggest things is, like, how I said last week, he's really good with female characters. In this movie, you're supposed to have a female character you don't like. And it's almost like he doesn't know how to do that. Yeah, like... Because before she dies... Uh, what's her... Ashley Green, the actress? No, they... I'm trying to remember the name of the, the character, but whatever. Uh, Evelyn? Evelyn. Yeah. Evelyn's not <laughs> unlikable. She's not. She's a little... Little much. She, She's a little much for his character. For him. They're not a good couple. They just like having sex. And he that's what drives most of his decisions. She thinks it's more than that until... She starts, you know, trying to be the girlfriend that she is. And then he gets all, like, pushed back. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're more than just tits and ass. You have all these needs. You have these opinions. And you have these things. You're your own person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
he's so I never disliked her. Like no. even when she decorated his apartment, the line she yells of not on the runner, I'm like, what one? That's a rug. Two, no <laughs> one puts a thing on the floor and then tells you not to walk on it. That's just that it, it didn't seem correct to me. No, it, I think you hit the nail on the head because if we've gone through all of these Joe Dante movies and even movies with like uh like we mentioned earlier today, like the Looney Tunes back in action, the Jenna Elfman character feels like a character that should be just wholly unlikable. Like a, a lesser director would have made her just kind of a shrill, awful thing. Yeah. And he didn't do that with her at all. No. She was very capable. And in this movie, you have the exact same problem of like, Ashley Green plays a character that's like, okay, so she's not right for Anton Yelchin, but there is definitely... She's not a bad person. She's not a bad person. And there is definitely a dude out there who would be 100% into all that same stuff. Yeah. He would be totally cool with all the organization for recyclables on the wall. Like he'd be totally fine for all of that. Yeah, like it's just, anything, they're just not a good fit. I'm left going. I don't really like Anton's character. He seems kind of like a. I'll, I'll do one better. Loaf. I don't like any of the guys in this movie. Yeah. No. Oh, his brother's terrible. Awful. <laughs> Awful. He's clearly supposed to be like some sort of comedic relief, like that weird sort of ugly schlubby guy that sleeps with all the hot women that happens to be for in so reason. many movies. Yeah. It's like, why is this a thing? Yeah, they're supposed. I guess they're supposed to be making fun of that trope, but I guess. not really. And uh, that, it's not nothing to that actor's fault. Like, he's actually a really good actor who doesn't get a ton of work, unfortunately. But uh, he was in Project X. If anybody saw that, he was great in Project X. Um, but it's one of those situations where, by the end of this, you're wondering why Anton Yelkin's character is with anyone. Yeah, he doesn't. De- he doesn't deserve anyone. He's very this. passive. I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't go so far to say he doesn't deserve. But I think, I think that, I mean, that's what the movie, like the movie, throughout this whole. Up until the very end, when they finally get he gets his shit together, like the, the guys just suck. Yeah, <laughs> I, just I had a hard like, time sticking with them. He doesn't have a quality that I would find attractive, other than he's a good-looking guy. No, but like I get the, and it could just be the the just like the magnetism of the actors on screen, but like the chemistry between him and Alexander Daddario. That's what makes sense. Like, yeah, the like chemistry they, was fine. Like it's they just, they worked really well together. Like, and it could just be they're good actors, or it could be that they're written well to be together. But like yeah. that one, I did, like okay, these two make sense. That one didn't bother me. But him and the Ashley Green character, I'm like, no. Like, yeah, they just got together because they enjoyed banging. That did not mean she deserved to die. No. <laughs> And him like wanting to break up with her in the middle of the day, pulling her out of her job that she has to go back to to break up for under a him. lure of a surprise. Yeah, I have Whoa. a surprise what? for you. Oh, like when Ooh. when he said that, I was just and like, they just moved in together. Yeah, <laughs> he's breaking up with her because Ooh. she redecorated, which is fine. He knew when to break up with her. He took him too long, but still, there's no reason that you should stay with somebody when you're unhappy. But you can do, do better. better. <laughs> you can talk to her like a human being. Yeah. Not take her to a dog park under a lure of a surprise. And now she's on her way thinking you got her a puppy. Good luck, That's fuckface. That's terrible. Ugh. I was <laughs> I was hoping the bus would have careened off after it hit her and then go turn and hit him. Yeah. Just so because to, I was like, dude, you suck so much. Uh, all this stuff about what, not liking her. I'm like, if that's supposed to. Maybe that wasn't the point. I don't know. Because even the point when they're supposed to try to kill her, when his brother goes over to try to kill her, he's still being just absolutely obnoxious. And he's watching a snuff porn. Yeah. That was his plan? That was his, yeah, his plan to go irritate the crap out of her and then watch a porno that you watch a girl get murdered in. My my bigger problem with that thing beyond the murder porn um, 
what a horrible plan. It's a terrible plan. And that, that's where like I, I, I think I start coming to coming apart with this one as being the worst of the Joe Dante movies that we watched. Worst feels like a strong word, but like my least favorite out of the Joe Dante ones, I should say. Uh, is his movies... Uh, no movie, I, I I could say this, no movie except for Terminator 2, Judgment Day, is watertight. Everything has a problem. <laughs> um, they, they can all strive to be Terminator 2. None of them will reach it. That's fine. Um, but Joe Dante movies are pretty, pretty tight. They're um, all, they're, they have a good logic to them. Yeah. Everything makes sense. In their own out, world. Yeah, in their own world. Yeah, like for the most part, I mean, there's little things here and there. Gremlins 2 has some problems. Gremlins has a lot of problems. Um, but even when the, is it not after midnight? I get yeah. it. Even uh, even in the chaos of Gremlins two, that's not what you're thinking about. Is the exactly. logic of yeah. that? But that's what I, the thing I enjoy most about his movies is when you don't need to think about things logically. Yeah, no, because everything makes sense within the world. Yeah, but then you come to burying the axe. It's like, what was his brother's plan to watch porn with the girlfriend until she gets so annoyed that he hits her with a machete with his back turned to her? Like, what? I don't what know. are you doing? I don't know. And I think it pulled me out of the scene so much of both. I'm a, I don't want to say I'm offended by what's on the screen because I know it's just schlocky nonsense. But it's like I'm kind of like I don't want to look at what he's watching because it's kind of making me uncomfortable. He kind of makes me uncomfortable in every scene. And what the hell is he doing? And all of that's just going around in my head instead of the the actual drama of the scene of like what is happening here. Like and what? I'm just like, can you please kill him? Yeah, we know you, he's going to mess this up. Just just eat him. Well, eat and then him. and then yeah. the way it punctuates that scene where. She re- realizes that she wants to do the zombie thing because of watching that. Yeah, it was like that was a really weird way to get to that. Yeah, it was a long road, but I I did appreciate it, especially I, since the, the the her boy her ex has a horror store that he yeah works in. There's, there's classic horror things playing all the time that have those zombie things. There's a ton of different ways to do it. Instead, this inept brother just sits and watches porn. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, like that was my favorite Joe Dante esque moment in the entirety of the movie was when she's like. I got a strange craving for brains. <laughs> yeah. And Ashley Green just sold the shit out of that line. It was so good. It was the only reason why like that scene didn't ruin the whole movie for me. Like it was, she saved a horrible scene. It was like Dante and the actress decided, okay, this is the scene's done and it's dumb. Let's just cut to the chase. Yeah. Brains. <laughs> I liked the following scene when Anton comes home and he's like, she's like, oh, well, I had dinner and then I cleaned up. But but you don't eat. I had a craving. Now, now <laughs> interestingly, you know, after that, after she starts killing him and eating him, and they juxtapose that with them having sex at the, the oh, graveyard, yeah. That's really well that done. was actually kind of an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. So it's just that little beginning part that just, skip that. Like, yeah. the rest felt very Dante-esque. Yeah, like, I, I think Chewie might be right. Like, they're, they're just seeing something kind of off. Like, it didn't feel like, I think when we've enjoyed Joe Dante the most throughout this month is when he's been just let off the chain. Like, mm-hmm. just go do you, man. Mm-hmm. And, like, those movies turn out great. And this one either feels like there's either restraint from the studio, which I think this was independent, so it's probably just financial is what I'm guessing it I, came down to. I don't to. know. Because the movie doesn't look like it cost much of anything. I think the majority of the budget went to Anton Yeltsin. Um, yeah. Because he would have been the biggest name at the time. Yeah. I mean, Ashley Green was in Twilight, but she's not exactly a household name. And Alexander Daddario has been in Stuff, but, again, not exactly she's a household name. She's not a leading name. lady. Yeah, no. She, I mean... Yeah. She's good. She's good in the yeah. stuff she's in, but she's not huge by any means. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It could, to me, like this kind of screams like someone had a good script, they got financing, and they're like, who's my dream director to do this for me? Joe Dante. I'm going to convince Joe Dante to direct my movie. Or is it just like, hey, would you do this? And he's like, 
I'm free for a few weeks. Yeah. Let's do it. One of the two. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it definitely didn't feel like a passionate Joe Dante movie. No, no. It's like even you go like watch uh, Explorers, um, which we did not cover at all for this month because I, I don't think I can watch it again. Um, but you watch that and you can see that Joe Dante loves what he's making. Yeah. It didn't work for me that time, but it's still just like you can see that like the passion he has for it. And it just didn't feel like that spark was in this one. And the doctor wasn't in this one. No, he wasn't. No. I know he's around. Dick Miller was. Dick Miller. Oh, he was. Somehow. Oh. <laughs> they, they wheeled him out of bed, put him in a cop uniform, and like, stand there and say your lines. I can barely talk. I'm, I'm going so to old. sit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to sit here and say my lines. Does that work instead? <laughs> Do I have to buckle my pants? <laughs> So he just came out. I'm like, oh, Dick Miller got old. It's <laughs> gonna say he's here, but that is the problem with watching Whoa. these. So we started this. We started this month with Dick Miller in the 70s. Yeah, and then was... we ended it with him in the 2010s. Uh, That's a lot of time. Yeah, he he aged. He did. He looked kind of old in the 70s. So, who? <laughs> But he was there. Yeah, it was pretty shocking. Yeah. Because <laughs> we had just watched Looney Tunes Back in Action, which wasn't made that much time before this one. Yeah. Like, only a few years, and, like, he didn't look that old there. No. And then, whoa! <laughs> Father Time hit you with a stick. <laughs> R.I.P., by the way. Yeah, I loved Dick Miller. I, I think I realized how much I loved Dick Miller back when we were still doing just plain old ATH, and we did... um. The Tales from the Crypt movie. Oh, yeah. And it's like, man, he was good in that movie. Mm-hmm. I love Dick Miller. And now having a whole Joe Dante month, we almost could have called this Dick Miller month because he yeah. was in everything <laughs> we watched, um, which is awesome. I love Dick Miller. Joe Dante and Dick Miller, a love story <laughs> in Hollywood. You know, we should just do a Dick Miller month anyways and just watch the other just movies. Watch the other, <laughs> watch the other Dante movies. <laughs> we have to throw in one that he wasn't, uh, Joe Dante wasn't attached to, but the rest right. of us do Joe Dante stuff. Um so a little bit just kind of more about the movie itself uh, and kind of get into the things that we liked about it because uh, I think we, we've kind of beaten it up as much as I, I'm willing to. Uh, I'm just going to stop talking about the brother pretty much from here on out. Is yeah. that cool? Because he, he kind of ruins the majority of the movie for me. I hate me. that the end of the movie's with him. Yeah, the, even the way they end it. You ever slept with a zombie before? Whenever ah. a guy does that tongue thing, I'm immediately like, oh, you're you're scuzzy. Oh, it, there's a photo of me on the internet doing that tongue thing, but I'm doing it to be scuzzy. Does that make it better? This does answer the question. You stopped doing it. I've never seen you do that. I've done it in a few photos because it's funny because the photos. <laughs> it's a parody of I the never people loved who do it. it. It's a parody. It's a parody. Yeah. It's a parody. It's, it's a satire. It's. Can we go on the internet and find all copies of those photos and write, it's a parody. It's tongue in cheek. <laughs> tongue out of cheek. <laughs> uh, I will say though this: if if you ever wanted to answer the question of what would be a, a, a less classy way to end Shaun of the Dead, it's this movie. Oh, that would have been a less classy way to end for sure. <laughs> That's fair. Um, the thing that I, I I will start with what I what I really really enjoy about this movie, and that is um, it, it's it's a mixture of Ashley Green and Alexander Daddario as the two leading women. Um, they yes. are the only two. I think. Granted, I don't think anybody in this movie gives their career-defining performance. Uh, mm. th- there's just something that's kind of felt a little like one step back <clears throat> from everybody, but I do think they were the two best things in the movie. I think uh, uh, Alexander Daddario plays a very good, or I'll just call her Olivia because it's way easier to say. Um, Olivia is a very good, um, down-to-earth, not quite manic pixie dream girl, but kind of leaning towards that road, but just kind of a down-to-earth real person. 
um, who just kind of wants to hang out, but she has very realistic looks at like a, a modern day relationship when it pertains to sex, when it pertains like gender roles, that sort of stuff. She's a relatable human being. And then on the flip side, Ashley Green plays a very good, uh, demanding, kind of high maintenance girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a negative way at all. Like that's just the way some people are. And I think both of them just nail their roles so much that like when you have the, I think they only see each other in like two scenes in the movie. Is that it? Yeah. Uh, it's just the, the one time in the ice cream <laughs> shop and then one time later when she's a zombie, right? Right. Yeah. Like the, but you get like, oh, these two wouldn't be friends at all. No. no. And within seconds of seeing each other, they hate each other. Walk- and it's just fantastic. As soon as that scene starts, I'm just at the edge of my seat like, oh my God. <laughs> they should not meet. <laughs> and then once, and once, so we've only seen her for two seconds. We see her flip her hair back and do a little dance, uh, Olivia. And then yeah. it's like, oh, Evie's not gonna like her at all. And after that first banter <laughs> between Anton Yelkin and her character, I was like, oh shit, stop talking, both of you, to each other. This is going to explode. <laughs> yes, shut up about fruit brute. <laughs> Nobody cares, right? You, fruit brute. Also, that's a great ice cream place. Like, tell you what, <laughs> fruit brute. <laughs> No, that aside, just I like odd stores that like that are featured in this movie, like the oh, horror yeah. trinket store. But then the ice cream store, I just like creative things like that where they like they self own it. I know it's not necessarily realistic in this case, but making your own flavors yeah. and you're just doing like I like that gimmick in these types of the, things. The only thing with the horror trinket store is I don't excuse me, I don't know who ever thought it was a good idea to tell your uh, your customers go to hell. I do like that. By the end of the movie, I do like that gag because it's just like, why are we still doing this? <laughs> it's just one of those things like... And I love that no one gets it too because I, I love the reactions basically. Like, well, you go to hell too. But there's something like, it never made me laugh. It made me go like, that's a joke. Yeah. And like, I feel kind of bad being so mean at just such a random joke in the movie. But at the same time, it's like, it, for me, it just felt like a joke that worked in script. Yeah. And the second they said it on set and everyone in the crew probably just went, they should have gone, oh, maybe this one doesn't work. It felt yeah. like something could have used a punch up or could have used something. It just didn't really work both in like realistically because it's like the same thing like with the, the the murder scene we talked about earlier. Like it shouldn't pull me out of the movie. Like no. it felt like such a non-real thing that it had me go, who would do that? And the joke doesn't even get a good payoff at the very end when he has his own catchphrase. His own catchphrase is just have a hell of a day. Yeah. Like, and it's like, that's somehow like, okay, we were all setting up with this bad joke for this yeah and it's just such low stakes i know i said i was going to stop beating up the movie but like the uh the low stakes of the anton yeltsin's uh shop he's like i want to have my own shop where i can greet people the way i want to greet them is that all you want you just don't want to say your greetings anymore it is still not his own shop yeah you still have well i mean they're gonna get married yeah it's gonna be there yeah but i guess it's, it's sort of poetic that again he's it's kind of just worming his, like, that character is worming his way through life but and just, never quite gets better. But, like, what sad goals? I yeah. want to say hello my own way, and then I'll be who I want to be. <laughs> okay. Okay, he never really felt like much of a go-getter. No. Yeah. No, not at all. But he was good. I, I liked him. I think he played the role well. I just don't think he had a very good role to play. And I like seeing him on screen. I like seeing, Yeah. I, I, I missed, Anton as an actor. Like, I miss Absolutely. seeing him in movies. And just when I see him again, I'm just like, oh, he's in this. Aw. Yeah. R.I.P. Anton. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, if I ever pop in a movie, it's like, oh, Paul Walker's. Ah, oh, damn it. Oh, I'm sad. Yeah. The same thing with him. Like, every time. He was just so fucking good. Yeah. 
So I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was at talking to him at the screen, being like, "Don't be this way. Yeah. Just don't be this way to this to this person you want to break up with. You know, evolve, grow up, just be a better guy on the in the movie because I like you as an actor. I do like that he he realized what he was doing. Even like he had a very good reason to lie to Olivia. It mm-hmm. made a lot of sense. Um, yeah. How do you explain? Well. I am over my girlfriend. It's just that she came back from the dead and uh, wants to turn me into a zombie and won't leave my apartment. Like, that's a really rough thing to try to sell to somebody. So I get it. But I mean, but sidebar, I would love to see someone just get it off the bat and be like, okay. And then just like, oh, wait, what? Like, so the movie you want to watch then is Lights Out. All right. The girlfriend tells the boyfriend, this is what's happening. He's like, okay. Cool. How really? can I help? <laughs> it's like, how do I help? It's like, I did yeah. not see that coming from this movie, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Lights Out is not a flawless movie by any means, but it got, always got points for me for that one. Yeah, that part was really cool. Because just we're, like, we're, no, you're my girlfriend. I'm going to believe what you tell me. We're all people of pop. We're all huh. creatures of pop culture, right? So like, we understand some of these tropes so yeah. pervasively that this movie does too. I feel like there could have been a great comedic goldmine in there. Something Dante yeah. could have like really twisted, was just like, oh, she gets it. Yeah. Oh man, the same thing happened to my friend last year. <laughs> Just like one of right. those, what? <laughs> this is why you don't make promises like that. Oh, you got one of those devil things, didn't you? What? It, it, would, it just <laughs> appeared. It would yeah, then, it does that. Yeah, it did it in my ice cream shop. I just threw the thing away. Yeah. It would then pay off it would then pay off the casualness that everyone has around zombies in this movie. Like I kinda like like that that was the Joe Dante humor that I kinda missed throughout the majority of the movie was that casualness with zombies. The only guy I freaked out was the guy I'm not talking about anymore. Yeah. Um Everyone else is kind of like, oh, okay. Oh. She's Who does got- your girl's friend's makeup? <laughs> your girlfriend is like, so goth. Yeah. <laughs> Back off, you. What, what was it? Goth wannabe or yeah. something? I almost said Elvira, and I'm like, eh, nope. Nope. Um, close enough. Her dancing reminded me of the little girl dancing in the remake of uh, Pet Cemetery. Oh, I could see that. God, that was a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> Pet Cemetery. Oh, I was so mad by the end of that movie. Why? Why did you make this? Why did people tell me it was good? Why does anybody like anything Pet Cemetery? Fuck you, Pet Cemetery. Book, movie, movie, and movie sequel. I'm done with all of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how I feel about the Virgin Suicide. <laughs> Book, movie, movie, and a sequel. <laughs> they haven't made a sequel, thank God. The not Virgin Suicides? <laughs> The DTF suicides? Mm. The DTD? Are we still DTD? Um, I think we've been talking for a while. We're almost done with the D. Mm. It's going to be okay. What have we missed? Oh, we kind of mentioned last week it was way more prevalent in matinee, but it's still kind of here a little bit. There's definitely another... You can feel the love for the old school horror movies here. Yeah. Um, it, both in like the, the paraphernalia that uh, he, he hawks in his shop uh, to the posters he has around. Like, Which, know. by the way, if you were going to be really protective about some posters and then get rid of Frame really, them. Yeah, frame them. You jackass. Don't, so they were already damaged because how are you hanging them on your wall? Yeah, what were you doing? You're going to buy a Double shop with them? Double stick tape? Uh, like, that's, you, it's already damaged. They're already ruined. You're living in a place that size and you can't frame your own posters? <laughs> Come on, dude. Yeah. In Silver Lake? Do you have an idea how expensive that apartment would be in Silver Lake? Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Can't frame your own posters. <laughs> Bitch. Uh, he is. <laughs> yeah, Ashley Green's character did not deserve the berating she got for folding those posters. She's like, you treat them like shit. Yeah. You actually thought you are going to sell these for a down payment on a store in Los they Angeles? Have, they either have tape on them or they have holes in them from the... 
the push pins. Push pins. Or, yeah. One of the two. Either way, you ruin them. Yeah. Get off your high horse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't think he was gonna make that much on the posters. No. Uh, right. But I do like the. I, but I do like the. Just that knowledge of like the these old school horror nerds. They get so into that stuff. Like, oh, Italy had this one poster for The Exorcist that no one else made, and I got it. And look at it. It's so pristine. Like, that's perfect. That is what these people are into. They love yeah. it. I mean, we used to record uh, After the Hype in a shop that was owned by two people who were very much those horror nerds. Oh, like, yeah. Like, that's what they love. It's what they do. And it's, it's awesome. Like, I, I love talking to those people. I loved seeing everything in that shop. Yeah. Uh, so like it's really cool seeing that represented in the film because that doesn't really get shown that much. Like we mentioned again last week, Paranorman. Like this kind of feels like it fit in that same sort of idea of like huh. yeah, it's kind of kind of a monster movie in its own right. It definitely is more so here than Paranorman. Eh, probably about about the same. Um, but it's also a love letter to the horror movies that created like this world, and oh. I kind of appreciate that. Yeah, and on paper, I actually like the premise of this movie quite a bit. Oh yeah. But I mean, it's been done before, and it's, it's been, been yeah, uh, and that's fine. But it's I do like the premise, and I like the whole story. I just don't think it necessarily worked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think we're gonna move into our funniest moment, funniest moment in the movie, and then we'll uh, we'll start moving to the end of this thing. Uh, my mm. funniest moment in this one, I it more so just it. It's not even really that funny. I got us. Eh, I'll change mine. I'll cut that out. My funniest moment was when she's about to turn him into a zombie and she's got him pinned on the ground and blah, 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 and he goes, not on the runner. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, oh yes, not on the runner. And I think that's really funny. It's a good through line. Yeah. Still not a runner. It's a rug. Yeah. A runner is something you put in a hallway. I not know. under your couch. but I know. I know. You mentioned it every time they said runner in the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, the funniest moment for me was, uh, I think I think it's the first time that she was trying to seduce him and she was just going going hard at it. And every at every step of the way, something was like falling off of her or coming apart. And he was just like trying to hold it together. And then she pins him against the wall and then just completely throws up at his, on his face in like a very Sam Raimi-esque thing. And then he just faints. I'm like, yeah, finally, you, the, you clocked out. The icing on the cake in that is her just going, fluid. embalming fluid. Just, <laughs> 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 and he just drops. Like, it was so great to see just the effect of that. That was really good. My, mine is, uh, I'm changing mine from what it was going to be. Mine has to be, so in the... When he takes his, he takes Ashley Green out dancing to the goth club to try to get her like calm the fuck down a little bit. Doesn't work. He gets her super drunk. Apparently, she can still get drunk in a zombie. And she's out behind a dumpster, just puking her guts out, <laughs> just going nuts. And he's kind of staying there, like being the good boyfriend. Little doesn't really want to. And then uh, Olivia comes up with all of her friends, and she's like, "Hey, Max, good to see you. Like, were you in there? You got a friend? Is she okay?" He's like, "Oh, you know, she's coming around." She's like, oh, yeah, we were just going to go check out this club. And he has the best dad joke of like, oh, you can skip it. It's dead in there. <laughs> Get, it? Get it? And I love that she kind of smiles. Like, she's like, all right, I'll put up with this. I still want to bang that. Yeah. And her friend just had, cuts through like, this is the guy you've been crushing on? <laughs> just ruins the moment. It's just perfect. I, I, I just felt like one of those really kind of genuine, like, I've been that friend of like, that guy? Yeah. Him? Him? <laughs> two movies in a row with him <laughs> so Joe Dante does great with female characters and they're always stuck with him, him? 
<laughs> Does that track for all? Uh, no, I, I like Brendan Fraser and Looney Tunes. That one worked. Oh, definitely Brendan Fraser. However, Brendan Fraser in his prime. However, Phoebe Cates and Billy. Him? Him? Uh, She's Phoebe Cates. And he's him? Him? Yeah. yeah Brendan Fraser might be the exception to the rule. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're, you're looking at him and you're like, him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That smile, those eyes, that hair. Yeah. No, that one works. Uh, so we're going to do the same thing we've been doing throughout uh, the majority of this month. And we're going to double feature this thing. What are we going to watch this one with? What's a great monster <laughs> movie double feature? Um, I'm going to go for one that's uh, it's also kind of funny, but this one's a little bit more serious. I would definitely watch uh, Burying the X first, kind of put you in the mood for this like old school monster movie, and then we're going to ramp it up to 11 with uh, Attack the Block. Oh, okay. I feel like they'd go really well together. They okay. both kind of have like a quirky sense of humor. Um, they're both low-ish budget. Uh, this one's far lower budget than Attack the Block. Uh, but I think they'd, I think they'd complement each other pretty well. I would watch um, Life After Beth because mm. I had actually already seen this movie and that movie is one of the reasons why I didn't see Burying the X because they're almost the same movie. I've heard they're very similar. I, just... I think Life After Beth is better. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to watch it. Yeah. It's got it... a big Aubrey Plaza problem for me. Yeah, but it also has, a, I always forget how to say his name. Oh, Dane, Dane DeHaan. 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 Whichever. da doop a doop a doop Yeah. Double D. <laughs> Osborne. I'm sorry. He's Harry Osborne. James Franco? No. I made the, the other same one. joke last night. <laughs> but no, I, I think Life After Beth is a, a good movie and same sort of premise. But yeah. Somewhere this year, we should do an Arby Plaza month and try to get me back into her camp. Yeah. In, in in Life After Beth, when he's trying to break up with her, she's full-on zombie, and he needs to restrain her by tying a dishwasher to her. And then he takes her on a nice, lovely hike, because he never <laughs> did that with her when she was alive. And then he breaks up with her. While she's still restrained to the dishwasher? Yeah. Like, just dragging it along the hike? She, yeah, she's carrying it on her back. I mean, it just, it just calms her down. It doesn't fully restrict her. Okay, I'm a little bit more yeah. interested. You never mentioned the dishwasher. That's, yeah, that's kind of awesome. It's, it's got a good sense of humor. Fair enough. Uh, John, I'm going to go with uh, Zombieland. Okay, probably some of that. Probably this movie first. Just be like, okay, it kind of zombie-ish thing, and then hit you with something a little bit more energetic. Okay. My uh, my backup was going to be Warm Bodies. I thought that would go with it well too. But I thought about that, but I that's one that's like the main one I haven't seen, and the rest were either like really too good for this movie, yeah, or like whereas like there's a sense of humor that a through line that. Would work to have sure. those two together. Sure. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so we've been talking about Joe Dante now for four long weeks or, you know. They've been pretty short because this guy's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but four weeks of time, you've been listening. We haven't really been recording that long. We recorded two episodes in one day. That's how we roll. Um, but we've been talking about him for a while. We've been watching a lot of his movies. What have we learned about Joe Dante? Like, uh, what are things that you would say... <laughs> define him as a filmmaker like what what have we learned over our our month he's an underappreciated absurdist act director uh that loves horror movies and really needs to be given the opportunity to just make his art more often yeah i i would 100 percent agree with the the first thing you said of underappreciated uh, he is not really a household name unless you're kind of into yeah. film 
Um, and I feel like he should have been. Like he's made some great movies that a lot of people didn't see. And I, I agree with your second part too. Of uh, he is at his strongest when you're not trying to restrain yeah. him. Yeah. Like if I had a bunch of money, I'd be like, hey. Dante, just just have fun. Just go bring out that weird, absurdist, makes no senseness. <laughs> his uh, his love for Looney Tunes, like it just shows in all of his work, and it, it just it kind of brings this level of like as we said, a absurd- absurdity that's just a joy. Like it's just yeah. so much fun to watch. And it's not, you know, it's not dirty. It's not profane. It's actually very family friendly. It's just weird. Yeah, I mean, the, the worst he'll get is a little bit of violence and a, a little bit of, um, like, harsh language, kind of. Yeah. Not even really that bad, though. He doesn't push for nudity. Nope. There could have been a ton of nudity in this movie, and there was yeah, none. Yeah, he didn't do it. Yeah. So it's, yeah, he really needs to be more appreciated, I'd say. I mean, there's a ton of nudity in Hollywood Boulevard, but that was also kind of commenting on the yeah, nudity. Yeah, that was the joke. That was the joke, was, like, yeah. how much nudity used to be in the films they were making fun of. So it still kind of worked. Uh, John, what do you think? Yeah, I can't think of a situation where I wouldn't, where I would be like, "Oh no, restrain him," and that might be the first time I've agreed with you guys on a filmmaker like that, where it's like, yeah. let him just do his thing. I don't think about, I don't think that way about anyone really. <clears throat> like George Lucas, rein him in, right? Rein him in, even even <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, I can't think about it with really any any filmmaker. I can't really. Even, the, even Tim Burton, if you let him off the hook too much, just like, all right, okay, okay, Jim. Yeah. yeah. Just, no, Johnny Depp is not a singer. No, Stop telling us that he singer. is. Stop right. it. Stop it. <laughs> I think, but apart from that, I, and agreeing with that, I think the interesting thing, and I mentioned last week, is the switcheroo on all his women characters are great and interesting. At the expense of the men characters, and I think it's a very interesting situation and a lot of his character his men characters are defined by being passive being kind of spineless maybe in the beginning like they're they're defined by being not great characters yeah but and you find yourself liking to like wanting to watch the women characters a lot more in these movies i don't know it's, it's something i've noticed through all these like the women are funny hilarious entertaining and they're acting the hell out of their roles but, you know, and they're I, doing a great job but beyond all that they're proactive like three-dimensional characters every time there's not a there's not a false note or one like this was a guy doing this it's more like these feel like real people yeah just you know if anything heightened but honestly since he's steered i hope by choice more into directing television if i was going to choose a director to spearhead the remake of buffy i'd probably choose him absolutely oh yeah he'd be great for buffy yeah because there's something to be said like the we've you know we're all students of film on this podcast and uh we've done a lot of looking back and like older like the, this era of directors like in the same era, in the same era of directors we have spielberg we have scorsese we have um j- just the titans of film like that's who was making movies at the same time that joe dante started and you look at all these guys and a lot of them have great movies for dudes yeah, like, looking at you, Scorsese. Let's bro down and watch movies about dudes. And it's like, like Spielberg has the same problem. Like all of them have this thing, like, to varying degrees and various whatnot. Joe Dante never really had that. Like he had movies that dudes enjoy, like Gremlins. But even in Gremlins, you still have Phoebe Cates, who is a very capable and character. And the mom. And the mom. The mom's great. The first person to kill a gremlin is the mom. And she I mean, takes no shit from any gremlin. I mean, she did I not watch start that, the war. <laughs> she did, though. <laughs> As Dick Miller said, they've been around for ages. Mm. 
Either way. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like all every one of them. And like he's coming from the same school at the same time and working with Roger Corman, who, I mean, I'm not, not trying to take a dig at Roger Corman, but was not exactly great to women in all of his movies. He wasn't terrible by any means, but he wasn't wonderful. This one, like he was influenced by all these people and still did very well by all of his female characters. And I think that is something that's really cool, especially knowing what era he comes from. Especially, and I'll go by saying just because it's probably, it doesn't feel like he ever tried. No, he no. He was never pandering. He never like made this like a, a point <coughs> to be like, this is a strong female character. Yeah, there's no like, like Avengers no, Endgame just, moment of like, look, just, the women are doing it now. Yeah, he just did it. They're all interesting <laughs> by themselves on their yeah. own without anyone being like, look at that. Um, Yeah, the only other thing that I, I can say that I really learned about Joe Dante is, uh, how how difficult it most likely is, but how easy he makes it look to make Looney Tunes into live action. Because yeah. he does it time and time again. Just that Looney Tunes sense of humor, that classic Bugs Bunny sense of humor is in every movie that we've watched throughout all of this. At one point or another, there's that kind of dry, sarcastic, little slapsticky at times, but he nails it every time. I'm very like as we've gone over this month, and I'll, I'll say it time and time again. I I started as a Joe Dante fan, ish, and I've left this month loving Joe Dante. Like he, he is high up there in my list of filmmakers now. I mean, I started this not even having an opinion on Joe Dante, and now I do, and I like him. <laughs> yeah, I've gone from oh that director to oh yeah, of course that director. Yeah. Oh, that director did it. I'll watch so, it again. I have it on record. If anyone's... I know he's in his 70s. It might seem like an odd choice, but if you're going to remake Buffy, the, the Vampire Slayer, or at least have him do the pilot so he can set the tone. It's interesting having a movie for when I say I want... like It's interesting having a source to point to to people when I say I want the, the violence to be more cartoonish in live-action movies sometimes. When I want to express what I enjoy about just... How cartoonish violence can sometimes be, you know, the stuff that we enjoy in like the final or uh, the uh, Fast and Furious movies, how things just defy, gloriously defy gravity, physics, everything, and someone can roll Are a car. You're defying gravity. Oh, well, did you see that trailer for Fast Nine? Okay. <laughs> what? What? I can, if I could sing right now, I'd try to do it, but I can't. I am not a Dino Menzel. But it's interesting having Adele Dazim. Adele. <laughs> <laughs> Adele Dazim. I just forever. <laughs> I just appreciate. <laughs> sorry, all right, John, make your point. I'm sorry. I just appreciate having something a director to point to when I say that I want more movies that are cartoonish that have that sense of Looney Tunes style. Hundred percent. Yeah, between Dante and um, the guy who did Kung Fu Hustle, like Stephen Chow. Yeah, Stephen Chow. Those guys are now my jam. My yeah, for sure. Um, man, I wonder if they've ever had coffee. I want them to have coffee, and I want them to make something <laughs> It'd together. It'd probably be a really strange coffee. Yeah, I just want to sit down, like, whether, just be a fly on the wall where they're having a conversation. I mean, at one point, some of them will just start daffing. It'll, <laughs> it'll be like that one time I was alone and went, I wonder what orange juice is going to taste like in coffee. And then I tried it, and I went, that's oh, not that bad. I'll never do this in front of Brian. You never <laughs> told me that. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm glad I could. I'm offended to my core. <laughs> I am glad I could be here it's for this revelation. <laughs> <laughs> and with that we end the podcast that is pro- the end of behind the hype <laughs> <laughs> the uh, dumb and dumber gif of Jim Carrey <laughs> 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 try it out just put a little orange or juice in your coffee oh I will never try that out but I appreciate you, you did 
Glad someone did. Um, so just caffeinate orange juice. So that's month one down. We've done it. Our new format has happened. We spent a whole month diving into one filmmaker. That man was Joe Dante, and the next woman will be Dee Dee Allen. Everyone's favorite. Can you even name her job? I'm guessing probably not, but you should be able to because she's fucking amazing. She is a great editor, and I am so excited to dive into all of her work. Yes. Uh, and by all of, I mean about four movies. Um, and then a few, like we did the same, if we can find some that we have time to watch, you know, we're going to get into it. Um, however, I'm going to leave this one out here for uh, for the two people at the table with me uh, to decide what the first movie we're going to be covering because I, I can't decide. Okay. And I've been trying to decide for a while. So I figure, why not? Today should be the best day to do it. You have two choices. Terror from the year 5000. <laughs> okay. Or Bonnie and Clyde. We're only going to cover one of them. I don't even know that one. Exactly. I've mm. never s- seen Bonnie and Clyde. So. I'd vote for, like, that's a tough one. I would vote for Bonnie and Clyde because, again, I haven't seen it. But it is the one to see. We'll go with Bonnie and Clyde. And we will try to watch Terror from the year 5000 as aware of they've been doing. So at least somebody okay. can at least talk about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to tune in next week, tune in for Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, throughout the rest of this month, we will be covering movies such as, not necessarily including, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, The Wiz, Reds, Breakfast Club, Let It Ride, Henry and June, The Addams Family, Wonder Boys, The Final Cut. She edited some great movies. She is also no longer with us, which is very sad, so we're not going to be able to get anything from her anymore. But she did some amazing work before she passed, and I'm so excited to dive into it. Uh, one of the greatest editors out there and is credited a lot with shaping the way that we edit films today. Oh, I'm really excited. So this should be a lot of fun. Uh, And then the month after that, we'll cover somebody a little bit more household again, and that's going to be kind of our our rhythm for a little Mm -hmm. while. We're going to do somebody that people know, somebody people don't know, somebody people know, somebody people don't know. And we're going to keep going back and forth so we don't want to do that anymore. It's going to be great. Uh, So be sure to tune in next week if you want to watch along with us. Bonnie and Clyde is what you're watching, (laughs) and I am so happy for you because Bonnie and Clyde is fucking great. I like Warren Beatty. It's Faye Dunaway, right? And Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway is great. So. Yep. It's a good one. I honestly a, haven't seen very many Faye Dunaway movies. Well, now you'll at least have seen one. Yeah. Oh, she was great in Chinatown. She was great in Chinatown. And I have never seen Chinatown. Chinatown is a, it's a long movie. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very long movie. All right. All right. So well, that's very Chinatown, guys. <laughs> so very quick. And she still quoted the end of the movie. Everyone's seen that. <laughs> <laughs> that's been referenced on like The Simpsons. Everything's been happening on The Simpsons. Simpsons did it. Uh, so really quick round of plugs. As quick as humanly possible. I'm just going to say go to ATHpod.com. Check out everything we got there. It's all we great. have everything for you. We really do. What? Including Super Matt Dykes' uh, uh, Doctor Who article. Be sure to check out yeah, that. Yeah, Doctor Matt. Who. and then Doctor Who for Matt Dykes. Yeah. Maybe Mike Dykes will watch all of Superstore and then write a article about what he assumes working in retail in America is like. I, I don't want to spoil my joke here, but I think there's a more likely chance that you'll get that than you will get the Doctor Who article. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm just saying, check out Matt Dykes. The doctor uh, loves a little shop. He does love a little shop. He loves a little shop. <laughs> Come on, man. It'll be fantastic. On, It'll be great. <laughs> Bye.
Bozos.